Keep pounding isn't just a slogan, it's a way of life. Ice up, son. Ice up. They want to be the very best that they can be in everything that they do. I think when you have that mentality in the locker room, you can be special. When you have it with your coaching staff, you can be really good. And when it starts with your owner and it starts with your GM, you can be memorable. If I'm moving someplace and we're doing this in Carolina, the first thing I care about is winning. The second thing I care about is winning. And the third thing I care about is you guys are smart. So you, you win a lot of ways, and I don't like to lose it anyway. Welcome back to another episode of the 704 Cast. My name is Matt. Joining me this week is Wes. Corey is out of the country this week. He's on vacation in Puerto Rico. Wes, how you doing? Pretty good, man. Um, excited about the Panthers this season. Uh, was cautiously optimistic that we would get something done at quarterback. And, and as Corey and I talked about earlier this week, we did. Um, what is your reaction to that move? Yes, yeah, so I was at work uh, when the news broke. Uh, the, my phone started blowing up in the group message uh, with the news. And that's why I couldn't hop on with you guys this week uh, to uh, talk a little bit about it. But I'm happy about it. Uh, we gave up a, a sixth, a second, and a fourth. Uh, and I've seen a lot of backlash on people not agreeing with it, people being pissed, all this stuff. There's an article that came out. A guy wrote that he's or the Panthers have broke them. If this is the move that broke you, where the fuck have you been? Because there has been plenty of stuff in the past to make you hate this franchise and hate the direction that we're going. And this move should be on the bottom of the totem pole. This kid is 23 years old. He is younger than Joe Burrow. And I know age is not a skill and that shouldn't matter. But in this situation, this is a, a former number three overall pick in a draft who was surrounded by complete dog shit uh, in New York. And Adam Gase should not be coaching a Pop Warner football team. Uh, this guy had the equivalent to Cam Newton throwing to Keelan Clay in a playoff game. So and this is for his entirety there. For people to be pissed about this move, I don't get it. I, you know, it's fine if you wanted Justin Fields or Trey Lance or one of the guys in the draft. That I'm okay with that. That's fine. That's justifiable. But to absolutely hate this move and to bitch about uh, Sam Darnold getting traded for what's basically a second-round pick because with our history of drafting, fourth- and sixth-round guys don't typically pan out. And I know this is a new regime and everything, but – this is a move not to be mad at. The kid's 23. He's on a rookie deal still, so we're not overpaying him. We're not breaking the cap. I, I, I mean, I don't get why people are so pissed about it. You know, the tape doesn't lie. The, the kid's been fairly decent making throws that – I mean, he was the – he was the highest-pressured quarterback for the last two seasons, made the most throws under pressure. You know, when you have two seconds in the pocket, we've seen that with, you know, what Cam had to deal with you have no time to do anything. And his best weapons were Jamison Crowder. And uh, I mean, he had Denzel Mims last year with Le'Veon Bell's half-assed performance. And then, uh, I mean, Michael P Ryan and Frank Gore. I mean, what the fuck are you going to do with that? And, and I want to say something, Panthers, make up Panthers fans, make up your mind. 
do you want to be mad at Cam for being for running too much, for being for not being a um, a pocket passer, or do you want to be mad because we just got our white pocket passer? Which one? Which one is it? They just want something to complain about at this point, and I don't get it. I'm happy with it. it, it if it doesn't work out, you're only on the line for two years and you're not, you're not breaking the bank for it. And the good thing is now there's reports that teams are actually interested in Teddy. I'm sure the money's going to have to be restructured in some form or fashion, but. They take <laughs> half, they take half. That's fine. Yeah, that's fine. No, yeah. let him go. Cut ties. The, the organization didn't drag their feet around and drag the situation out. They knew that they didn't want Teddy. They, they owned up to the mistake. Yeah, it's not the best look at all going through. This is now the third quarterback in three seasons, but they went in a younger direction. They went out and got a guy. They were afraid that Justin Fields was not going to be there. They went to his pro day and figured out, hey, this guy's not going to last till eight. We got to do something. Yep, that's exactly it. And there were plenty of people thinking that it, that it meant that they didn't like Fields. I think it's the exact opposite. I think that they thought so highly of Fields. They're like, there's no way he gets to us. And, and I mentioned that with Corey. Um, but for me, what we, you mentioned, the third quarterback in three years, to me it speaks volumes to um, – I think that rule needs to be a little more hands-off with some of the personnel stuff. I think, I think that's what it tells me. He, he really likes the project guys. He really likes the, 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 the diamonds in the rough. And you can do that at some other positions. I don't, I don't know that quarterback and Teddy and your first quarterback was the right way to pull that. I think, and I think Herney let him make those calls. I think Fitterer is now going to, to be the one making those decisions with input from rule. I think, I think it's instead of rule making that those decisions with input from Herney, it's the other way around now. Yeah. That's, that, that's what I think. And, and Fitterer led the charge on this. He wasn't coming here and going to roll with Teddy again, but he took the insight. I think the film, there was enough film to realize that Bridgewater just wasn't a good fit for Brady's system. Darnold is, this is somebody that has a good connection, good rep, uh, repertoire with um, a good rapport, excuse me, with, uh, Robbie Anderson. So I don't really see the downside to this move at all. If you don't think he's a good quarterback, that's a different opinion. You know, watch the film and, and see how good of a quarterback you could be under pressure. I mean, look at the cam and all the bad throws that people used to complain about with nobody out there to catch the ball. And I don't think he gets enough credit for his, how well he moves for, for somebody of his, his size. And I mean, he's not, Again, he's not he's not Cam. He's not a mobile quarterback by any means. But I really do compare his ability to to, to get out of the pocket and to move to, to that of Burrow. And and neither one are mobile quarterbacks at all. But they they do what they have to. Right. He had that sixty yard run, and Corey mentioned that. But he had a sixty yard touchdown run against Denver last year. So the guy is mobile. He can make the throws on the run. He's accurate. He can throw the deep ball. He's twenty three years old, and he's on a rookie contract. This was the number he going to the last two days of or two days prior to his draft, he was the consistent number one pick. He should have been number one in that draft, and and he was the number one ranked quarterback of that draft. And, and you're getting the number one prospect from a draft that was loaded, in my opinion, with quarterbacks. And, yes, some of the others have panned out better to this point, but you put them in better systems. You put them – and, I mean, I hate this. It's, it's impossible to really think that the Browns was a better situation than something, but it was a better situation than, than even the Jets. I mean, he, he had weapons. He had, he had Odell. I mean, Baker's got Odell. Baker's got some semblance of an offensive line. He's got Chubb. I mean, he's got, 
weapons around them to at least make, I mean, Darnold had absolutely nothing and the Jets are going to do it again to somebody else. Yeah, he's got one of, the, one of the best rushing offenses to fall back on in Cleveland. <laughs> Darnold had nothing. He had Frank Gore touching the ball 18 times a game for 50 yards behind a shit offensive line. I don't really know what people expect. <laughs> Zach Wilson's going to go in there and struggle this year. So I don't know people think that he's going to do any better. They haven't fixed the offensive line. They haven't put any significant upgrade of weapons around him. Maybe they'll do that through the draft, but he's still going out there and throwing. I mean, he'll have Corey Davis. So if he force feeds Corey Davis, Denzel Mims, Jameson Crowder, not that that lineup's not really scaring anybody especially when the quarterback's going to be running for his life and Zach Wilson is liable to miss time. And that's another thing. I saw people say, oh, well, he hasn't played a full season. He's missed uh, time, blah, blah, blah. Well, that's what happens when you don't have a, a, a formidable offensive line. Just look at Cam. People have talked about Cam being injury prone. None of Cam's injuries came from outside the pocket. It was all in the pocket. That's what happens. You have one, to protect one, your quarterback. One, when his hmm. cheeseburger-eating wide receiver – Yeah. Decided not to tackle somebody. Had to, had to chase down, run 80 yards and chase down uh, an interception to save a touchdown. Pointless. But that's my two cents on the Sam Darnold situation. I'm happy about it. I just don't get why so many people are pissed out here. I mean, like I said, if, if you want one of the guys in the draft, that's I understand that. I can relate. We've talked about how much we like Justin Fields and Trey Lance in this draft uh, and how we would love to have him. And there's a chance we still could take a quarterback at eight. Fields is not making it to eight. Lance could, nope. um, but I don't. I don't think they wanted the uncertainty of Lance. I really, I, I'm not sure that they were ever sold on him. And Fields was not making it to eight. It's just not happening. And there's still a chance Lance doesn't make it to eight. He he may. Um, I think the only way we would consider the the double dip at quarterback is if Fields was the one that fell. It would have cost a substantial amount more to move up in the draft to get one of our guys in the top three exactly. or four. That's. That's why this happened because the capital, the pick capital it was going to take to get to where San Francisco got, you have to weigh is that worth it instead of getting a Kyle Pitts or Panay Sewell Sewell to to block or catch for Darnold. And I think they're doing it right. You build around the quarterback who has the capability as opposed to trying to fit the quarterback into what you already have and possibly ruin them a lot the Jets yeah and Mel Kuyper made a good point this week or and voiced his opinion on he's not somebody who I agree with all the time I like to mention the Jimmy Clausen take that he had a few years back but he said that Sam Darnold would be the second best quarterback in this draft behind Trevor Lawrence if he was to come out and be in this draft and it's funny he's the same age as Mac Jones right so, yeah, he's just a few months older than Mac, but a few months younger than Trask. So, I mean, there's an older quarterback than him in this draft. Yeah, he's got the experience. That's the upside. There is no bad thing about this trade. And for people to say that this is the trade that that broke them, the Panthers have – They were had, already broken then. They, yeah, exactly. You were fine with Jake DeLong coming out and throwing four interceptions in the game and then getting a contract extension that offseason just to be cut a, a year later. You were fine with the dumb decisions that we've made year in and year out. You were fine with the Teddy move. You were fine. We're with fine with cutting the best player in franchise history after nothing. saying he was going to be our starting quarterback for absolutely nothing. Nothing. I mean, if there's anything that ever broke a Panthers fan, it should be that one. Yeah. And most of the time, that was it was a bunch of fake outrage because it was the same people that bitched and nitpicked Cam the entire time that he was here, and then they're just 
up in arms. Same people talk about whatever. Okay. I'm so cool. we'll, we'll move on from, from the Darnold. Uh, this is a pro Darnold trade podcast. Uh, if you haven't already figured that out, uh, we're excited about it there. It, there's a lot to be excited about because it makes us a, a, able to take that best player available in the draft. And, and we've already talked about what that round one pick could look like if it's not a quarterback, which it's probably not going to be now with, with Pitts, Sewell, Slater, um, and, and the corners. So let's talk a little bit about two through seven and what, what, what we like there. There's a lot of names. It's, it's been thrown around. This is where you, this is the part where you dive into Matt rule coaching the pro days or not the pro days, the senior bowl. Um, you know, who's going to pro days and the, and the non big names. These are the guys that, you know, the non first round prospects um, or when they go watch a first round prospect, you, you start to notice, who else is there that could be available in rounds two through seven that uh, maybe a position coach is going to see, or when you see highlights of the pro days, you see coaches watching other players. Um, one of the guys was actually that I wrote down was, was a pro day we were at uh, Brady Christensen from uh, BYU. He's a left tackle. He's Zach Wilson's left tackle, but something about this kid is in 2020, he played 385 pass blocking snaps. Uh, he allowed three pressures and he only allowed one sack. Uh, pretty good numbers to protect the second best quarterback in this draft by all means. Um, he's somebody that, that I really like. Guy's really, really mobile, uh, really athletic. Um, runs, I think it was a, it was a five second 40. But um, he's, he's somebody who I, I would really be happy with in the two to three round range. Um, he's not going to be a first round guy, but um, I, I really like him as, as somebody that we can fill in on that left tackle spot if we don't get Sewell or Slater. Yeah, and, and then that's a big uh, qualifier there. I'm the more I think about it, and, and I think I mentioned this a couple of times. I I don't want Slater at, at eight or at nine, eight. Sorry, yeah, eight. I, I don't want Slater at eight. I think it's a reach. So I think if it's not Sewell or Pitts for me, I want to trade out. Um, so you could end up with Slater in, in, in the teens. Um, I'm just not not as sold on him being a sure thing at, at left tackle. And I, I would rather take a sure thing, whether it be Chase, Pitts, or gain another asset and take him. Um, because I think there are some guys with similar upside in the second round, the early second round. There's five or six, that second tier of tackle prospects, there's five or six of them. And, and some, one of them, a couple of them are going to make it to us. They, they just are. So I, that's where, that, that excites me more, the upside of some of those guys, more so than the safety of Slater. Uh, I don't want to get off track here, but I'm of the belief if Pitts and Sewell are both gone at eight, we probably are looking at trading back. Yeah, and, and that's that's what I want to do. So, again, like I said, that that was a, kind of a sidetrack, but I think it it that first pick does determine what we do with the second pick. So it, it's worth noting. So if it's Sewell, it's the, the second pick is going to be tackle. I mean, it's it's going to be if it's if it's Pitts, the second pick is going to be a tackle. One hundred percent, you can write it down in pen. The good thing about what we've done this week is that now Denver needs a quarterback still. So there's been talk that they may have some interest in Bridgewater. We've created competition with bidding teams in the, in the teen range. 
and Denver now to come up and get eight you know, during the draft while this is going on. So we have leverage now. So this is going to pay where we can potentially get another first round pick. Yep. And, and I mentioned it in the last episode with Corey. I, I think Denver ends up at four. I think Denver's, Denver sees the, the, the possibility of someone trading into six, seven, eight in front of them. And they want their, they, they, they don't, they're not sure that, that Lance is going to make it to him at, at that point. So I think Denver ends up trading with the Falcons. The Falcons need defensive help desperately. Like you know. their, their defense is terrible. That, and you can't draft a defensive player at four. So I think the Falcons trade back to nine. Denver goes up and gets Lance at four. Because I, I think San Francisco is taking fields. I think the Mac stuff is bullshit. Um, but – so I think that's how that plays out, and that's the trade up, and we end up kind of losing out on the possibility of somebody jumping Denver. That's that's how I see it unfolding. Yeah, Atlanta's probably moving back. They could, that allows them to take Micah Parsons or one of the corners. So and they look better at taking that at nine or a little bit later than they do at four. At four, they're not taking any anybody defensively. But good news for us that mean no Kyle Pitts potentially being in our division have to play him twice a year. Yeah, and so the only if Denver doesn't move back, if it's somebody else, then 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 you possibly have to then you can talk to somebody if they really if they really want Mac, they could trade up to eight for Mac. That's about the only such trade up situation. If someone else trades up to four, then yeah. then that could be there could be some calls there at eight. Um, but I think there's going to be somebody else that somebody wants sitting there at eight, um, whether it be somebody's high on Slater. Somebody wants one of the corner. Somebody specifically wants JC. Somebody specifically wants Devonte. Somebody specifically wants Waddle. There's going to be somebody. There's always somebody that has a player on their board that that made it a little further than they expected. Yeah, there's going to be a, a wild card in the in those picks too, because like you just mentioned with the receivers, the Chase Waddle Smith, they're going to go pretty quick. Uh, when when the first one goes, then there's going to be a run. So and so if, if if Chase goes seven right before us and somebody has Devontae number as their number one guy and, and doesn't want to lose him, you're you're we're gonna get a call on, on, on draft day. And and if the guy we if Pitts happened to go six and Sewell went five um to the Bengals and the Dolphins, then you take their call, you take their second round pick, third round pick whatever assets they want to give you and you you, you 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 drop back and you get the guy that is better suited for that pick because I, I just don't think I think you're reaching an eight for anybody but Pitts or, or Sewell. Yeah and I expect to be very active come come to the draft. And that's something that Fitter has he's coming from Seattle where that that was a big thing that they were. There's not really much talent differential in you know guys that are 15 through 30. You know, there's just the, the few elite guys in this draft and Willen and Dylan and, and acquiring more picks for later down the road or even in this draft. The good thing about the Darnold trade is that it only cost us a six round pick this year. So we still have all of our picks. And the part about that, the best part about that is we had three six round picks because we got two comp picks. So it's basically like we didn't even give up anything this year. And with yep, the and trade to not expect, I mean, I expect us to probably get some more picks this year at some point. Yeah, and I don't. I never expected us to have nine picks in this draft because there's not nine. There, there, there weren't really nine spots that they would be 
filling. I don't think you'd rather consolidate those and try to move up. So even with eight, I'm not sure we'll be drafting eight guys. It'd probably be more like six or seven. Right. If I had um, to guess. Yeah. But all right, back to the, the second round tackles. I have a list of like five or six guys here. Um, several mocks that I looked at had us taking Tevin Jenkins from Oklahoma State. Um, I admittedly am terrible at grading offensive offensive line film. If Corey yes, was that's, here, a, that's a Corey thing. Corey was an offensive lineman. Corey is very good at grading offensive line film. Um, the things I read about him uh, seemed very, like a very athletic tackle. Um, he was right in the, the back end of that tier two. There's, there's a few guys that are going to go middle of the first round. Um, and Tevin Jenkins, Leatherwood, Jalen Mayfield, Eichenberg, and Raddins are that, that next tier of guys that we're looking at in the second round. I personally am high on Raddins. Um, some people have him at the back end of that list. I just mentioned some people have him at the, the, the top end. Um, I'm not very high on Leatherwood for tackle. Now, if we want to really solidify the offensive line and we go Sewell and then Leatherwood and slide him into guard, sure. Um, but from what I've seen, Leatherwood profiles more as a guard and, and that's what most of the teams think anyway. So I know Corey's big on Leatherwood. Yeah, and I think he also mentioned the, the sliding him into guard thing. Mm-hmm. I think I think the athleticism is lacking there, but that's that's the knock on him. So I think between those five guys you men, I mentioned, if if the pick if the pick in the first round is not a tackle, it's going to be one of those five guys. So Tevin Jenkins, Alex Leatherwood, Jalen Mayfield, Eichenberg. I didn't even write his first name down, and Dylan Raddins. It's got to be it's got to be one of those. We have to solidify that tackle spot, and. I don't think we have yet. Um, Irvin, Irvin's going to try to. I don't think he will. I think he'll end up sliding into guard. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if we draft a guard, then maybe that spot's still maybe not even Irvin's if, if, if it's something like Leatherwood. So we'll see where we go with that that second round pick. But it, I think a lot depends on the, what the first round pick. If, if the first round pick is not a tackle, then you can go ahead and write and pen the second round pick will be. Yeah. Um, I don't really, I, on my guys, I didn't really write what round they were projected in. So just bear with me people. Um, but going to the uh, central Florida guys, we coached a few of those at, at the senior bowl. And I mentioned one of them last week when we talked about, uh, secondary help, but, uh, one of the names that have stand out and in my opinion is the best free safety in this draft is Richie Grant. He's projected probably this, the two to three range, uh, Matt rule coached him at the, uh, uh, senior bowl, uh, came out and said that uh, he was one of the guys that he loved coaching. So you read into that what you will, but um, he actually had to move to corner a little bit because they had to deal with some injuries while down there and said that the guy had no problem switching over. Um, I don't think it's something that he'll do in the NFL. He'll probably stay at free safety, but there's the film on this guy is ridiculous. There's a play where he's on uh, the right hash mark and drifts all the way back to the left hash mark goes about 30 yards uh, while the ball is in the air uh, to make an interception. But this kid really liked him, really high on him. And Aaron Robinson, also out of Central Florida, uh, he's more of a nickel corner. Uh, obviously, we're going to need some help with Corn Elder uh, uh, signing elsewhere. I believe he signed with Detroit last week. Um, but those are those are two guys that I kind of like in the uh, the back. Well, actually, the third round. Richie, I'm fine with the second round, uh, but just two names there. Uh, Wes, anybody on uh, any other positions in that range that you're you're talking about? Maybe the third round. Um, in the third round, I, a couple guys that I had mentioned, 
you mentioned earlier going to some pro days and seeing some other guys. Ohio State has a couple uh, offensive linemen that, that fall in that, that later tier. I'm not exactly sure where they may fall, um, third, fourth, somewhere in that range. Uh, Josh Myers is their center. I wouldn't put it past us to, to draft Paradis's replacement this year. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be a very offensive lineman heavy draft. I would, I would like to see us come out with a center or a guard to tackle, um, tackle first, and then best player available between the other two later. Because, I, I mean, Paradis is not – I would not going to resign Paradis, in my opinion. So, yeah. let's, let's see if we can get his replacement. Um, so, <clears throat> that's a player to watch. We were at the pro day, obviously, for fields, but – Maybe you're watching somebody else there. And then, and then um, another off, Ohio State offensive lineman that, that Corey wanted to point out. So I trust his offensive lineman opinion. Wyatt Davis, their, their guard. He, he really likes the film on him. So that's somebody else that could fall in there. And you mentioned safeties. Corey also really likes Morick out of TCU. Yeah, no, Matt Rule, Matt Rule is high on him as well. So that's something to, to keep in mind and remember on that. Um, and then one more that I had written down here, um, and admittedly I haven't watched a lot of tape on guys third round and later, but uh, De'Ami Brown out of Carolina is a receiver that that if we've already filled offensive line holes in the first and the second and there's not a defensive tackle or a safety, a position of need player that, that really interests them, I could see them going with him as a possible replacement of either DJ or Robbie next year, just in the fact that we may not be able to resign both. I don't know what the finances will end up looking like next year. As of right now, we have plenty of open cap, but who knows what happens um, down the road. So you may have to plan for that plan for only being able to resign one. I hope it's both at this point, but we'll see. Uh, my last offensive tackle guy that I want to talk about, Spencer Brown from Northern Iowa. This guy, Obviously played a little bit lesser talent, didn't face top competition, but watching the film, this, this guy's throwing throwing defensive linemen down. Uh, he has a 54-inch box jump. So, guy's very, very athletic. Uh, I believe his RAS score was uh, 90, 98. Uh, so, he projects really well here at the next level. Uh, Quinn Miners is an, another guy um, out of uh, Wisconsin Whitewater. He's a be a center at the next level, so another guy to, to keep in mind uh, when it comes to looking at potential replacements for Paradis. Uh, I believe he's in the two to three round uh, range now. Um, tested really well um, off the charts. So those are uh, the last of the offensive linemen that I have on my list. Is there anybody else on yours? Uh, the last one I had was one that Corey mentioned, Aaron Banks, another guard out of Notre Dame. So when Corey, when Corey mentions offensive linemen, I uh, – I'll, I'll tend to listen because they're, they're guys that, that he, he knows what he's looking for with offensive linemen. Uh, sometimes I don't always. So his, his three that he was really high on was, was Leatherwood, Davis, and, and Banks. So it's three, three potential guys uh, I think that, that probably profile as guard replacements. Yeah, we'll get him to elaborate a little bit more when he comes back next week. Uh, offensively, offensive weapons in the now we're looking at now probably the fourth round. Uh, a name that I wrote down. Obviously, I'm a little bit biased here because I am a uh, Miami Hurricanes football fan. But Brevin Jordan, tight end from Miami. If this is a guy that we if we don't take Kyle Pitts uh, in the first round, this is somebody who I'm fine with in the third or fourth round range. Uh, very fast, great hands. Um, he was considered a, a first and second round talent, um, and honestly, a, a top two or three tight end prospect uh, before this season. He had a little bit of a down year because of Miami uh, putting Will Mallory who was another 
good uh, tight end on the field more. He's a little bit younger. But Brevin Jordan um, is somebody to, to keep an eye out for. Um, he would fit in nicely. And obviously, we have a history of Miami tight ends. Um, but that's somebody I'm fine with in the third or fourth round range. And the year, the year shocky that we had as well. Yeah. So um, on top of past that, I really don't have any other specific names. I'm not some prospect guru that that will watch a ton of film on a seventh round guy. Mm-hmm. I'll, I'll I'll read what people have to say about any about people, and if there's any any guys that are commonly getting mocked to us um, later in the rounds, I, I'll read and watch film on those. But as far as the the ability to just go and watch film on 15 different safeties and try and pick one that would be good for us in the sixth round, I just that's not. That's not my area of expertise. Yeah, we're not we're not draft analysts. We're not draft experts. We're just talking about some players that that we like and that stand out to us on the film that we do watch, the games that we've watched from the college football season, and, and see the the fit for us. Also, it always helps when you throw in a little bit of news um, as far as pro day stuff. Um, guys, we coach the Senior Bowl. Quotes from coaches. Matt Rule doesn't have the best poker face, as we know. So when he says something, it's just something to keep in mind. Just which is like the Richie Grant stuff that that, that stood out to me. Um, and 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 we talked about all the picks we have later in the in the draft with nine total or eight total now after trading away one sixth. You're going to see O line depth taken. You're going to see guys that you probably have never heard of uh, offensive line players that, that they've scouted and, and have watched the tape on. That's why they have those jobs, not us. <laughs> yeah, you're going to see, you're going to see a safety taken. Uh, it's, it's, it's a hole in the team right now. And even if we sign a veteran, you've got to, you've got to have a young guy in camp too. So you're going to see a safety taken or, or, or picked up as an uh, undrafted free agent right afterwards. Um, and you're going to see defensive tackle depth. We, we don't have any defensive tackle depth currently. Yeah. We, ju- we just have like uh, one one extra on top of – Yeah, and uh, Bravion. And yeah. then, <laughs> yeah, it's Bra- – so- Bravion is pretty much the only extra body we have on the, on the, uh, on the interior. So Unless we bring KK back, I expect that position to be addressed pretty heavily in the draft. Offensive line, defensive line, those are things that, that Scott Federer came out this week and said that he's going to address um, early and often. And there's another position that I'm missing off the top of my head. It may have been corner. I, I believe it was, it was corner. It was, it was defensive backfield pretty much as a whole, I think. But I think corner was the main one. Um, we obviously um, – we haven't hit on it yet, but we, we saw, saw that, that hole this week. Yeah, and I know Boye's you know, didn't have the best year last year, and he's going to miss the first two games of the season. But this is a, this is a high upside move. I mean, he's still only 29, uh, coming off a down year. And I haven't seen the numbers yet, but a two-year deal. So it's not like he's a one-year rental. So even if he balls out, we still have him next year. I would, so. I would honestly think in, in for comps, you look at the some of the other veterans that are getting deals like like Peterson, um, like what Sherman's deal is projected. They don't – Spotrack doesn't have a projection on Bouye because of the, the late cut. A lot of those salary cap hit guys don't end up getting Spotrack projections. But Sherman was 218. So, I mean, I can't imagine it being any more than that with how bad his season was last year. Yeah. Uh, but you're getting a Pro Bowl guy just three years ago. Like, if he can – we don't need him to be a Pro Bowl guy. We need him to be good. Yeah, I just need to get him back to, like, a shell of his Jacksonville self. Yeah, yeah. Or, or Texan self. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Ideally, yeah. Yeah, um, if, if, we can get, if we can get it, the Texans one, then – 
Good job, Scott. Addressing safety, corner, offensive line, and defensive line in this draft, you should be you should be thrilled. You'd be happy if you can get three starters out of this draft at those positions. Now we don't have to worry about having a starter at corner. We got to fill fill in for the first two weeks. But free safety that helps out with um, with with Chin a lot. So I think we'll I think we'll we'll sign a veteran free uh, free agent safety free free safety for for low money and whoever we take a chance on in the third fourth fifth whatever it is at free safety we'll have a chance to win that job in camp and so that'll be something to watch. We're building defensive depth for the first time in a long time. I mean, it's been years since we've had that. Yeah, and, and that's what happens when you use literally every single pick on a draft and on the defense because of how we relied on that incredible defense for so long and never built the depth up behind it, the young guys, the draft. And um, now we have to – we had the issue with that before. Yeah, and that's that's the issue with the offensive line. That's something that we – we've failed to address for years and that's something I expect to finally be resolved this year now that we have a quarterback. And so we don't have to worry about spending a high pick on a quarterback. Now, now we can, now we have options. We're not, we're not handcuffed. Uh, we, if Sewell's there, you take it, you run. And then we'll, we'll build depth throughout the, the draft and hopefully daily and little fix their, you know, they become not as injury prone and move forward because them two becoming just even rotational pieces is going to help us tremendously because we have, we have Miller back now. So you got Moten on a franchise uh, tag. So you got time to work out a deal with there. Sewell and Moten together. If a long-term deal gets, gets worked out with Moten, that is the best left tackle, right tackle that we've had in franchise history. Don't overthink it. I mean, that goes back to 2003, level of offensive line good so just some things to to keep in mind there um don't be upset don't be surprised if we spend high draft picks on offensive line i know last year people got mad because we didn't spend it uh you know we we spent so many picks on the defensive side of the ball but guess what it was needed and at the end of the year you saw the versatility come into play and you saw what uh you saw the defense grow and so now with Phil Snow's versatility and the stuff that he likes to run, we're in a good situation this for, this year going forward uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So just prepare yourself. Yep, I agree. And, and I think you may see um, a similar – outside of defensive tackle, I think you may see a similar thing on the offensive side of the ball this year with, with the line and, and building that depth because you, you've got Moten and that's really the only long-term piece that you want to have on that line. The rest of it needs to be built. Yeah, they still may add add a, add a receiver in this draft too. I mean, David Moore, if they're not sold on him being a, a pure three, but you you need that competition in, in training camp. You you need those guys to take the jump. And so, I mean, I like David Moore's upside. He, I mean, he did good things in Seattle. It's a good fit for Brady's offense, like we talked about, and and especially with wanting to 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 stretch the ball downfield with losing Curtis, you had to get somebody else besides RA to stretch downfield with. Mm -hmm. Love love DJ, but he is not, and he can be a, a vertical threat, but he is not the vertical threat that 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 Moore is, in my opinion, uh, or David Moore, the other Moore. <laughs> uh, so you've got more David Moore and, and RA to be your deep threats, and, and DJ is your your go to your go to guy, but not your he's not your stretch the field guy, and and you don't want him to have to be. You don't want to try to make him. You can let him be what he what he what he's good at. Yeah, DJ's better with the ball in his hands. David's better 
like you said, the long routes. And that's what a lot of people thought Robbie was coming in, in the last season. He can only run the vertical route, and he disproved that, what, in week one, two, yeah, and, <laughs> two weeks into the season? Robbie showed that he's the complete guy, and Robbie can stretch it. Robbie can run the routes. Um, just as I talked about about Rule, um, his player development, and, and spotting gems with with Teddy, I'll say the opposite with with Robbie. I mean, I, I want Robbie back if I had to pick. Panthers fans may not agree with this, but I'd rather pay Robbie and let DJ walk. Yeah, I mean, Robbie took a huge jump. The Darnold thing, they have the repertoire. I mean, the rapport, they – it's going to be a good year. At least – it's not going to be as bad as last year. The So, anybody who is mad that about the Darnold trade, at least you don't have to watch five-yard checkdowns. Yeah, and and I think people are mad – for, for the, the possibility of just constant mediocrity. Um, and to that, I'd say this is, this is at least a chance at being good. Teddy was never. so. We have a 23-year-old quarterback, and the rest of the division has nothing but 40-year-old guys, except for New Orleans now. But, I mean, they have Jameis, and there's no telling how the Jameis thing's going to work out, and that could quickly turn into the Taysom Hill show. And we know how that goes. And I would welcome that with open arms if I played that twice a year. I guarantee you there would have been Panthers fans super excited if we took Lance at eight about the possibility of the future. Yeah. Um, and and I think Darnold's ceiling is higher, as is his floor. Yeah, people are mad because this is not the shiny new toy. And so and they've seen the tape of him in New York, and they think he sucks. But what I say to that is if you put nothing but trash around a player at this, at this level – it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter who is back there throwing the ball. If they don't have time, they don't have decent pass catchers who can get separation and get open, then they're not going to be set up for success. And we saw what that here with camp. So imagine a situation with just as worse guys with a little bit less talent, at least as far as athletically, as far as being six foot five and being able to run guys over and use your legs. I mean, Sam Darnold can still run, use his legs, but just, have an open mind in this situation. This, this ceiling is high on this kid. This will, and this, this will be the best supporting cast he's ever had by a lot. The best coaching staff he's ever had by a lot. Hell, this is a better supporting cast and coaching staff than Cam Newton had. So, yeah, as a Panther. So, can be excited. Stop. Stop talking about being done with the franchise. Stop talking about this broke you. Stop talking about uh, the fact that we gave up too much. Like we said, this is nothing, absolutely nothing. Look at the trades that, that people make to take a quarterback in the draft or to get a Matthew Stafford. If you think that Matthew, like the. This is a better think, deal than the Stafford. If you think that the Matthew Stafford deal is a better trade, then you're wrong. And we were in on that and, and prepared to pretty much match that. So just if you're mad about this one, but wasn't aren't mad that we were included in that discussion, just take a look in the mirror. Yeah. You look at you, you don't have to watch another year of Teddy Bridgewater. So I know a lot of fans are happy about that. I know personally I wasn't going to go to a game and watch Teddy under center because I that's just going to do nothing but piss me off. And there's too many games last year that I watched that way when we were trailing in the fourth quarter as a one score game. And Matt Rule said that this week. He said, you know, we were we were 
we lost eight games last year by one score, and we just need that guy who can go down the field in the fourth quarter and win the game. And they didn't think Teddy was that guy because truth is he he's, he's not. not. No, Teddy is a solid backup. He is Jacoby Brissett. He can fill in and and, and, and Jacoby, in Jacoby's do. probably better. And and Jacoby people had already already accepted the fact that Jacoby is probably a career backup and will be a quarterback for a long time. But people have already accepted that Jacoby was that career backup. I don't know why they hadn't accepted that Teddy was. We just made the mistake of paying him. That's it. We paid him starter money, and Chicago was bidding against him, and that was it. Yeah, Rule came into the league and had probably no intentions of coaching camp. Chicago wanted him. That should have been our first son. Yeah. And we didn't think that we had a realistic chance of getting Teddy. They figured out a way to make the money work, and Herney went and got him, and then we cut bait and ran on cam. That's how all that went down. That's basically what, what happened. And we made the mistake. But at least the coaching staff realized it was a mistake and didn't try to drag this out for the, for the length of the contract. And where we didn't dig ourselves a bigger hole of. I'm not sure. I th- I'm not sure that it was fully the coaching staff. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> obviously, obviously, Tepper's comments coming out and saying that we need a, a franchise quarterback and we need a quarterback that can win games. That that was I a think big sign. if Tepper keeps his mouth shut, they would have just let it run it. They would have ran it back for one more year and then figured it out. I really am not 100% sold they would have acted so. I, I'm not sure they would have acted as quickly if had Tepper kept his mouth shut. He was a year behind on on the moves that he wanted to make. He should have cut Herney last year. Should have got should have fired him and, and gotten rid of that. Should have never done this Teddy situation. Shouldn't have cut Cam. He he's he's trying to figure this thing out. He's a first time owner. He was involved in the Steelers organization. Yes, he has the experience, but now he's starting to put smart football people around him and kind of take a step back. But yeah, he was fed up. He's tired of watching the shit too. And, and I'm happy that he got to that point because from his comments, since he purchased the team, he wants to build a winner and doesn't want to watch losing games. As fed up as you guys are, he's more fed up because he's got billions of dollars into this. Yeah. He's, not, he's not a Jerry Richardson that just doesn't care. He cares. And be Panthers fans, you've got a good owner. Yeah, he's not used to losing, and he doesn't want to lose. And yet – Tepper, the you know the honeymoon phase ended pretty quickly last year. I get it. He did a lot of great things for this franchise when he purchased it, and I was very excited and still am to some degree. And, yes, there's been a lot of ups and downs, the cam thing mainly, and that's what's pissed a lot of people off, followed by the Teddy situation. But we got out of the Teddy situation very quickly. So. I'm uh, – I'm, I'm – I'm happy that we made the moves that we did. Uh, I'm, I'm happy with the Darnold situation. Like I said, if it doesn't work out, it we're only giving up picks this year and next year. It's not something that's going to go on, you know, f- for years and years. It's not going to set us back. It's not going to cost us, you know, a, a shit ton of money. So nothing to be really pissed about. If it doesn't work out, yeah, the on-field product will suffer. But, you know, we'll, we'll – Figure it out. We, 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 I don't, I don't see it going that way. I, I see Sam being here for a while. Um, he's 23, could be a franchise quarterback. We may have just fixed a situation that we needed to fix very, very desperately. And the entire league knew it. And, and never, it, I mean, if it works out, never used a first round pick on him. Use one second 
and I don't care about the fourth and the sixth. Yeah, so it's going to cost us one starter. So, well, short episode this week. Uh, Wes, anything you want to add before we get out of here? That's it. Um, I've said it again. I've said it a lot, and I'll say it again. Be excited, Panthers fans. It's going to be a better season than last year. Yeah, there's no way it's not. But we won. We we got in this situation because we screwed up, and we addressed it. Sam Sam is clearly happy to be in Carolina and out of New York. Just judging throwing throwing parties to to no longer jet parties. Yeah, yeah, having having a party literally two hours after the uh, the trade was announced. And clearly the social media team knew this was this move was coming for a while now because they had a lot of stuff uh, on hand ready to tweet out when the move was made. And I did see Albert Breer tweet out that uh, discussions on this deal actually started in February. And I guess they kind of picked up traction and gained steam at the Ohio State Pro Day. Um, the One of the things to, to um, at least that stood out to me, and I know you mentioned it as well, is that uh, Douglas didn't want to part with Darnold so quickly. Uh, he kind of wanted to drag out and, and take it into the draft because he thought he could get a first-round pick. But um, He also wasn't sold on getting rid of him at all. He was ready for there to be a quarterback battle. Yeah, and so. then I guess they were just trying to trade him during the offseason or try to trade him during preseason uh, training camp. But the, uh, the thing that stood out is that uh, we offered the fourth-round pick, so it was really just going to be a second and a sixth. And I don't think that adding the fourth changes anybody's opinion on it, but – the fact that they took the fourth and they wanted a first. So I guess they probably wanted a, a first and a sixth. Uh, I'd rather give second and a fourth than first and a sixth. Yep. So second, fourth, the sixth, the sixth is meaningless. I think we did pretty good. Agreed. hundred percent. Um, and I mean, the fourth is future fitters problem. It's not till next year. So <laughs> exactly. And the, and the second too, for that matter. So we can address the needs that we need to this draft. We're not sacrificing, you know, another season prolonging this and, and we can build up an offensive line and some, some, some depth to give this kid an actual chance. Yep. But that was, that was all we had for this episode. Hopefully you guys got some insight. Yeah. So Corey, we back with us next week when he's back from Puerto Rico and uh, yeah, we'll see you guys then.